You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. Joining us here at Grab Them by the Pod, and much like the First Lady, we've been gone for a little while, but we are back on the air. Jesse, what do you have for us tonight, bud? Well, I want our fans to know we'll never leave you for that long. We'll never be gone for over three weeks. Don't you worry. We'll always be around. Because we have to bring you all the important, fun stories like what happened last week, which almost made me tear my hair out. So much stuff went down. Uh, last Thursday, Trump pardoned conservative commentator Dinesh D'Souza. He had uh, pleaded guilty in 2014 to making illegal contributions to campaigns. Uh, Trump had tweeted out, he was treated very unfairly by our government. Later, the White House said that he was a victim of selective prosecution for violations of comp- campaign finance law and that he accepted responsibility for his actions. So just to give you a little uh, background on D'Souza, he was serving a five-year probation sentence for illegally using straw donors to support Republican Senate candidate Wendy Long in 2012. So basically what he was doing was uh, reimbursing people for donations they made. Uh, it's an illegal way to get around some FEC rules. It's just a big no-no. Yeah, you know, I've donated to a lot of campaigns in my day. No one's ever reimbursed me. <laughs> I, I wish. You know, if only we were corrupt, things would be so much cheaper for our lives. Uh, he had, After this all went down, D'Souza tweeted out, Obama and the Stooges tried to extinguish my American dream and destroy my faith in America. Uh, thank you, Donald Trump, for fully restoring both. Uh, you know, of course, this made... Ted Cruz, just giddy with joy, who said, you know, this is justice. Let's not forget that Trump called Cruz's wife ugly and crazy and insinuated that his father had something to do with killing JFK. And now he's Trump's number one fan. I mean, I mean that's Ted, Ted Cruz in a nutshell. He's willing to just sell himself out uh, if he thinks it'll get himself ahead. And that's just not good at all. Yeah, you know, we've never been a fan of Ted Cruz here on the show. Um, Nobody's a but, fan of Ted Cruz. <laughs> apparently not, No. But, you know, this is like saying you broke the law, you know, for getting pulled over for speeding, but claiming that others are doing it. You know, they're also speeding, too. So you shouldn't give me a ticket. That's not how the law works, Kevin. And when it comes to pro, I mean, a lot, a lot of people um, are pardoned in life uh, for uh, petty, small offenses. Uh, and, and I think a lot of these people are you know, good people who have made a mistake. And uh, the problem is Dinesh D'Souza just isn't a good person. Let's look at some of the things he said in the past. Uh, he mocked the Parkland students for being upset and crying when the Florida House voted down a ban on assault weapons. He defended Hitler and the Nazis saying they weren't anti-gay. Uh, he said the Charlottesville rally uh, may have been staged. He tweeted a picture of Obama using a selfie stick and said, you can take the boy out of the ghetto because you know there's nothing more ghetto than using a selfie stick. Uh, and, you know, just there's so many more. But the last one I'm going to bring up is that he tweeted, so Rosa Parks wouldn't sit in the back of a bus. That's all she did. What's the big fuss? Uh, this guy's a great A scumbag. Yeah, he certainly is. And, of course, uh, the conservatives are all over this now because they're saying, hey, look, Rosie O'Donnell, your liberal bastion, has done the same thing, broken FEC rules by donating more than the allotted amount to individual Democratic candidates. Now, according to PolitiFact.com, O'Donnell did indeed break FEC rules as well. However, campaign finance experts have told them that this type of violation that O'Donnell is guilty of goes unpunished as long as there is no intent to deceive. Rosie O'Donnell gave over the, the limit to certain candidates. However, 
under the assumption that they would return whatever money if it was over the limit. Now, there was no intent to deceive behind O'Donnell. On Dinesh D'Souza's case, however, there was a deliberate attempt to deceive by uh, reimbursing people that he got to give money on his behalf. So, you know, there is a difference between these two things. Both of them are wrong and the money should be, you know, kicked back. However, there's a difference when you intend to deceive somebody to try to get your your buddy, your friend elected versus when you gave more than you were supposed to, didn't realize it, and then, you know, willingly acknowledge the fact that you've done this and take the money back. Yeah, your law as far as black and white as it can be in some cases, is gray in some other areas where you can think, why did this happen? What was the intent like you brought up? It's like walking out of a store accidentally with something that you didn't mean that you didn't pay for that wasn't you know done on purpose or going in there looking to steal something and walking out on purpose. I mean, it, one was an accident and the other was a premeditated action. I mean, Dinesh D'Souza in court admitted he knew what he was doing was wrong and pled guilty to it and apologized for it. So it, the Rosie O'Donnell thing, just, it doesn't add up. And then let's look at all the the pardons that Trump has been making recently. You know, a lot of celebrity pardons. He got rid of Sheriff Joe Arparo. You know, got him off. He, Joe, Joe Arparo purposely broke the law, but you know that's cool with Trump. Um, he he pardoned former Bush administration official Scooter Libby, and now he's talking about possibly pardoning uh, Martha Stewart and and Rod Blagojevich. And you know, Stewart was a host of the spinoff of The Apprentice, and Blagojevich was actually on The Apprentice. So again, it's people that are both famous and have connections with Trump. These are not what the pardoning power is supposed to be used for. No, and there's also been the question now, uh, of course, and we'll get to this momentarily, of whether or not, you know, <laughs> what power the president actually has to pardon. Who can he pardon? According to Article 2, Section 2 of the United States Constitution, the president shall have the power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in the case of impeachment. You know, fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> yeah, he said, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, as we've just been talking about for the last few minutes, I mean, this is really an unnecessary misuse of power, but it's more than just that. It's a, a way to send a signal, a message to Michael Cohen. A code is under investigation by the DOJ for campaign finance law violations that are similar to what D'Souza was found guilty of. So by par pardoning D'Souza, he's signaling to Cohen that if he keeps quiet and he's found guilty, yeah, yeah maybe Trump will pardon him as well and, and take care of all these legal problems. Uh, and that's something, if you think about it, it's not wild and crazy. It's very believable. And it's extremely dangerous if it actually were to happen. Right. Nothing is illegal as long as it helps Donald Trump. I mean, does the law mean anything? Does law and order mean anything if the president can just overturn it? And not overturn it because it's just, because they're political allies, because they're friends. Uh, you know, and pardoning Cohen and his friends is, isn't is the worst case scenario. As you brought up uh, just mere moments ago, Trump is now claiming that he has the power to pardon himself. Uh, that's not good, Kevin. That's that's very bad. <laughs> well, again, you're right. It is very bad, and it would come across very bad for him should he attempt to do that. Now, as we've learned by citing our Constitution, something that Donald Trump would you know, do himself a favor by looking into, he does not have the power to pardon himself if he is impeached. However, he could pardon himself uh, you know, if he is investigated by uh, Mueller and is questioned on things. He has the ability to pardon himself there. However, if he is impeached by the House of Representatives and found guilty in the Senate, he cannot pardon himself. So at least we have that to fall back on. And you know, I'm not even sure he can actually pardon himself. I mean, I think if that were actually to happen, and you know, my mind would be blown that 
things got even that crazy, but you know, it's not un unbelievable. I think it would probably go to the Supreme Court because it's one of those things that really hasn't been tested, and it may be up to the Supreme Court, which you know is probably going to lean uh, conservative for the net for the immediate future. Uh, what would happen next? But uh, last Monday, uh, Trump tweeted out. Uh, as has been stated by numerous legal scholars, and by the way, they never really discuss who these legal scholars yeah. are. He and Sarah Kusanders <laughs> just like to talk about these people, but, you know, they're nameless, faceless. Um, he goes, who are these people? <laughs> who are these people? Um, <laughs> he says, numerous legal scholars. I have the absolute right to pardon myself, but why would I do that? I've done nothing wrong. Um, also, Rudy Giuliani said the president probably has the power to give himself a pardon, even though doing so would, you know, prove to be a difficult Politically, yeah. I would say, Rudy, that would be very difficult politically, and I don't think he'd come back for that. And I think it probably would lead to uh, to him actually, the Republicans actually growing a spine and impeaching him. But uh, we can hope. For someone who has, you know, apparently done nothing wrong, he's sure talking about pardoning himself an awful lot. I know what I, when I do nothing wrong, I would say, you know, if I were to steal something, I'd get away with it. I haven't stolen anything, Kevin, but if I were to, I'd get away with it. It's not how normal people talk. Uh, Rudy actually made the craziest statement this week. I, I'm sorry, I, I keep saying this over and over. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. We do that constantly on this podcast because every time you think you can't kick it up another notch, they, they do, and things get even crazier. Um, but Rudy claimed that Trump could shoot Comey and not be arrested. He said, in no case can he be subpoenaed or indicted. I don't know how you can indict him while he's in office, no matter what it is. If he shot James Comey, he'd be impeached the next day, impeach him, and then you can do whatever you want to do with him. As we've been saying, that's an insane point to make, but his example is even crazier. Uh, you know, Rudy tried to play it off later on. Oh, you know, it's not a big deal. I was just being hypothetical. Uh, but it's just another case of the Trump White House kind of pushing a violent message. And you know, we didn't do anything. We were just throwing it out there. And then if some of his acolytes uh, were to take things into their own hands, you know, they'd just wash their hands of the thing in general. It could shoot James Comey, question mark? You know, the way yeah, yeah. The, the Trump mm-hmm. team seems to do things. You know, perhaps... To come back to you know the claim I've made in previous weeks on the show here that maybe Rudy is really you know on our <laughs> side here maybe this is really just a ploy a challenge to Congress hey if you impeach him then you can do what you want with him uh, you know maybe he's still trying to get in with the good graces of the American people maybe it's just all just a, a ruse an act uh, of him acting so so crazy and batty just to get Congress to listen and, and impeach him and we'll go from there. If that were to be the case, that would be some serious Kaiser Soze stuff from Usual Suspects. Uh, you just don't see it coming. I, I, I don't think he's that good of an actor. I, I'd lean more into the dementia angle. But hey, you know, it would be probably the greatest story ever told if uh, he did this all as an act just to get in there. And he truly is America's mayor. Anything can happen. A boy can dream. Yeah, really. Even my former boss, Senator Chuck Grassley, who I've been pretty critical of, I don't know, if not maybe not in this podcast, but in life, um, he even has a problem with this, too. He said, if I were president of the United States and I had a lawyer who told me I could pardon myself, I think I'd hire a new lawyer. And, he, I mean, he's speaking for all of us when saying that, and that's that's just crazy. Right, yeah. You know, we all hope that our lawyers give us sound legal advice, and this doesn't seem to be. And, you know, we're all focused on the Trump presidency right here in the here and now and how nuts it all is. But I think there's probably more things to come that we have to worry about. I mean, the, the future uh, is something we should all be focusing on and not just the, the present. Uh, what's preventing Trump from embracing pay to play? Uh, you know, if someone supports Trump, either politically or financially, that person breaks the law. Trump pardons him. And that's exactly what Rob Blagojevich was found guilty of. And now Trump is considering commuting his sentence. Uh, I, I don't understand how people either don't see this or refuse to see this and, and the problems that could arise from this. 
Well, it should come as no surprise because this is the only way that the president knows how to do business. If we go back over the last 40 years of his real estate career uh, and his business career, this is exactly how he's operated, right? He cuts deals. He swings deals with people, as you know, however ethical they may not be. Yeah. It doesn't matter to him. So why should we expect any different just because he's living at Pennsylvania Avenue? I mean, the art of the deal should be focused on being a scumbag until they get things passed. So after all that went down, uh, the New York Times also obtained a 20-page confidential memo that Trump's lawyer sent to Robert Mueller and his people back in January. And uh, this letter argued that Trump couldn't have obstructed justice because he has a constitutional authority over all federal investigations. Uh, basically, that Trump has the broad authority to, quote, if he wished, terminate the inquiry or even exercise his power of pardon, end quote. Uh, this goes back again to the pay-to-play issues we just talked about. Uh, it also insinuated that Trump could start an inquiry again against political opponents like Comey, McCabe, others, the people he's been screaming about, he can retaliate against them with these weird inquiries. Yeah, you know, since there is some room for interpretation on this, uh, at least constitutionally, it underscores the importance of Congress's role in the system of checks and balances, right? It's up to them to hold the president accountable through the power of impeachment, all right? This is how we keep the president from going off the rails and becoming dictatorial. It's hard to do, though, when you have a bunch of sycophants in office who will, you know, do whatever the president tells them to do. The, the memo also said that Trump is not required to sit for an interview with investigators. And that's something that Mueller's been working on for quite a long time now. Uh, you know, Trump's lawyers don't want him to meet with Mueller because they think that the prosecutors could use his words against him in a perjury trap. And yeah, it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, you know, I said this on last week's episode. Uh, it goes back to Tip O'Neill quote. You know, tell the truth the first time. You don't have to remember what you said. Uh, if you're not guilty, you shouldn't be afraid of being caught in a perjury trap. Yeah, I envision uh, an A Few Good Men-esque scene, you know, you're right, I'm right, I did, oh my goodness, what did he just admit to? <laughs> yeah, just gets a, you're, you're damn right I ordered that. <laughs> uh, you know, and one of the other nutty things that come out of this whole memo was confirmation that Trump dictated Donald Trump Jr.'s response uh, to the report about the 2016 Trump Tower meeting uh, with a Russian lawyer that had uh, ties to the Kremlin. Uh, this is that meeting that was first about adoption and then about getting dirt on Hillary. Uh, you know, back in August, Sarah Kimmy Sanders clearly stated during her press brief. I watch these press briefings uh, almost every day if I can. Um, clearly stated that Trump certainly didn't dictate the memo. Uh, the White House is now admitting that she either lied or was uninformed. And earlier this week, Sanders refused to answer any questions about it. And uh, you know, in reality, basically refused uh, to answer or deflected almost every question that was asked. She kept saying, you know, I don't make comments on things handled by outside counsel. But Sarah, this is something you said, and you can't comment on what you said back then compared to what you're saying right now. Uh, she, she thinks that she's more trusted than the media. Ha, I say. I laugh at that. Yeah, listening to her is like listening to, you know, watching an old Peanuts uh, cartoon with the teacher. You know, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's more of the same nonsense and baloney coming out of her mouth. You know, just admit the fact that either you are the least informed person on the planet or you are just going out of your way to lie for a president that's trying to deceive the American people. You are his mouthpiece. Yeah. Uh, a Washington Post reporter, Josh Dossie, asked, how can we believe what you're saying from the podium? 
which I think it's something that all of the reporters in that room were thinking. And she just kept repeating rehearsed lines about, I'm not going to respond to a letter from the president's outside counsel. But she has no credibility. I mean, she lost that a long time ago, but it just keeps slipping away even more as time goes on. I mean, when, when she was walking out of the office, I think it was a reporter that's there from Playboy screamed, what color is the sky in the president's world? Which I think was hilarious. People on, on uh, Twitter thought it was pretty funny. Well, that's a credible source. Playboy magazine is probably one of the president's favorites. Hey, I read it for the articles, Kevin. Um, and and even people on Fox. I mean, I've been a big fan of Shep Smith, Shepard Smith, uh, for probably since my days working in Congress, so back to 2005. I always thought he was funny and, and a straight shooter. Uh, and he even said, if one person says one thing and another person says the opposite thing, someone's not telling the truth. These inconsistencies seem to be among the most consistent things we live with now. Somebody is lying to us. Yeah, it starts at the top. It does. Well, I, I tweeted out Scaramucci last night was responding to people on Twitter, and I was reaching out to him. Of course, I didn't get him to come back at me. Um, but I said, you know, the buck stops with Trump. It goes back to that. He's trying to blame other people. But no, he's the president. It all falls upon him. Everything reflects upon him. Yeah, I had the opportunity to watch the Mooch last night on Chris Cuomo's no show yeah. on CNN. It was yeah. a, a pretty good back and forth between the two of them. Oh, and, and I and I love you know the person he, he was coming the person who had said uh, you know who cares McCain's gonna be dead pretty soon anyway she got fired yesterday, um, but apparently it turned out she was fired uh, not for saying that uh, but because she went to Trump basically saying that her boss is the person that leaked it and they fired her for saying the boss leaked it not for not apologizing and not for actually saying it to begin with so she was fired for the totally wrong reasons which I mean she basically was a whistleblower and she got fired for it it's it's just the Trump White House it's the Trump administration it's what we live with every day. Stop the leakers, not the leaks. <laughs> oh, and, and it just the hits keep on coming for Trump and his administration and his and people who used to work for him. Uh, it looks like Trump's former campaign chairman Paul Manafort is even in bigger trouble now than he already was. Of course, Trump will say, you know, he barely worked for me. I don't even know him. I think he got me coffee once. Suddenly, when these guys get in trouble, he barely knows him. Uh, but Bob Mueller has said in a court filing on Monday that Manafort has attempted to tamper with potential witnesses while on a pretrial, a pretrial release. And as a result, his team is uh, asking the court to revoke or revise Manafort's release conditions, including his bond and his house arrest. Naughty, 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 Paul. Yeah, some people never learn from their mistakes. I mean, Manafort's been given several chances in, in this uh, one situation alone uh, since he's been under investigation, and he, he continues to blow it. And, you know, now it looks like uh, he might be in for the long haul. I think he's in serious due to uh, the filings of the Manafort and longtime associate linked to the Russia. I mean, they're always linked to Russia. Isn't that weird how they're always linked to Russia? But, there's, you know, there's no collusion. Uh, Nothing yeah, to see here. No, no, no. Hillary's helping Russia. Russia's helping Hillary. They love each other now. Lock her uh, up! Yeah. So Manafort and his longtime associate linked to the Russian intelligence uh, attempted to contact uh, each other via phone call, text, and encrypted message. Uh, two people from the Hasberg group, uh, which Manafort worked with uh, to lobby for Ukrainian interests. Uh, these attempts to contact were, uh, according to them, in an effort to influence their testimony and to otherwise conceal evidence, and that uh, this is an effort, an effort to attempt to suborn perjury. Uh, yeah, Mueller's not screwing around on this one. Yeah, these are the crooks our democracy is up against, folks, and and we've allowed them in such high places as the White House. And you know, Trump wants to say you know, this stuff all happened uh, before he worked for him. This guy was running a presidential campaign for the candidate that won. 
and he's this big of a scumbag, and he has these ties to Russia, and you're leading me to believe that, you know, again, it was just a coincidence. Uh, these coincidences don't happen. After a while, they're a pattern, and uh, these patterns probably are happening for a reason because they're doing it on purpose. Um, Manafort, by the way, faces uh, 12-count indictment. These include conspiracy against the United States, tax fraud, uh, money laundering, and even earlier this year, his former business associate Rick Gates pleaded guilty uh, to one count of conspiracy against the United States and one count of making a false statement to the FBI about this whole Russia thing. Uh, So everybody's flipping on Manafort. The question is, when is Manafort going to start flipping on Trump, or is that going to happen? Yeah, you know, pleading guilty on conspiracy against the United States, I mean— John Brown was executed for that in the 1850s. So what's the difference between being a traitor and conspiring against the United States? Is there a difference? I mean, legally, I actually don't know, but it seems uh, pretty traitors to conspire against the United States. Yeah, absolutely. They kill you you for that. They do. Uh, and, And whether or not they should is a different argument. But still, this is some heavy stuff. And we've allowed this to get that close to the seat of our government, right, to the presidency of the United States. And, you know, that's, to me, too close for comfort. You know, I I am not okay with this, which is why Jesse and I, we put on this show, right? Because we want you to understand that we're not okay with this. We want to hold our leaders accountable. Did you see that Putin said, you know, it was today or yesterday, something like like he calls Trump all the time. You know, I did see that. They're buddies, you know, talk about the weather. And Putin, he's he's crazy like a fox because it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It's going to get people losing their mind. And and that's really all he needs more chaos. Uh, as as Littlefinger in Game of Thrones mentions all the time, I know you don't watch. It, he says chaos is a ladder, and uh, you know sometimes uh, while we're all running around with ch- like a chicken with our head cut off, uh, other people take advantage of the situation. Um, House Intel ranking member Adam Schiff, uh, he thinks these allegations are an indication that he's facing serious time. Uh, he suggested Manafort's alleged actions are desperate. And I suggested he's worried about his legal fate. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good guess, Adam. Um, I'd be freaked out, too, if I was Manafort. Uh, You know, I always say you can't do the time, don't do the crime. And I I think the chickens are coming home to roost on this one. Well, you know, Trump could always pardon him. Yeah, you know, maybe he shouldn't be worried, uh, Trump. But, you know, I barely know him, but I'm going to pardon him anyway because I saw him on TV and he seemed like a nice fellow. And, uh, you know, I was told, too, by my Russian overlords. But it's not all about pardoning. It's uh, also some policy issues we're going to talk about today. Uh, We all know this is coming. Trump has been threatening it for a long, long time. Uh, The Trump administration announced steel and aluminum tariffs on the European Union, on Canada, on Mexico. And and they're not happy. Mexico and the EU pretty quickly said they're going to impose retaliatory tariffs on the U.S., uh, the EU vowed to levy tariffs on uh, almost $3.3 billion on like, iconic American things. I think they're sticking it to us. Things like Kentucky bourbon, uh, jeans, uh, Harley-David motorcycles. Uh, and Mexico is going to uh, impose tariffs on a lot of things like other like steels themselves, lamps, pork, sausages, apples, grapes, blueberries, a bunch of cheese. I mean, this is just a mess. And we knew it was coming, and we did it anyways. Well, I mean, take that, Trumpsters, right? Bourbon, jeans, Harley-Davidson's, <laughs> that, that's right out of the uh, Team Trump manual, all right? That's straight out of the American South, you know, Trumpville. This couldn't get any better than this. I, I feel like that was poignantly directed at specific people. Like so many of Trump's policies, it's his supporters, uh, you know, the states that supported him in the election, they're the ones getting hurt. Whether it comes to the health care law, the tax law, and now these tariffs and, and the retaliation that the other countries are taking on them. I mean, it's, it, they're the ones getting hurt, and 
I don't know. They seem to care, but they also seem to buy that it's the Democrats' fault and not Trump's, which – you know, read read the stories and look into the information uh, that's not from Breitbart, and you can see that's just not the case. It is Trump's fault, uh, and he's the reason they're going to be suffering. Well, perhaps Donald Trump is not actually looking to renegotiate NAFTA, but for in any event, he will not do it with all three countries combined. He prefers bilateral negotiations. He can't work <laughs> uh, in, in a in a three way. Oh yeah, I mean. I don't think he has the physical constitution to be able to do that personally, but that's that's just me. Unless it's Russian prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's you can just lay there and be you know peed on. That's that's fine. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> um, so this is pissing off a lot of people in Congress, a lot of people on his own side. Uh, Republican Senator Ben Sass said, Europe, Canada, and Mexico are not China, and you don't treat allies the same way you treat opponents. And he also called the decision dumb. Uh, Senator Orrin Hatch will be retiring soon. He's the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, my old stomping grounds. Uh, he said that tariffs on steel and aluminum imports are a hike, a tax hike on the Americans and will have damaging consequences for consumers, manufacturers, and workers. I mean, when you have Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan speaking out against you, you know you've done something wrong when you're the president of the United States and they won't support you. Yeah, I, I don't understand why it's so hard to figure out that when we raise taxes on another country, they're going to raise taxes on us, and it's going to come back to the American people. Mexico has been mentioning that for quite some time, but Trump, I guess, either didn't take them seriously or just didn't know what they were talking about and <laughs> pretended he did. He had a call earlier this week with French President Emmanuel Macron, and they discussed trade, immigration, and apparently went very badly. Uh, Macron was reportedly very critical of Trump's policies. Uh, one source told CMM it was bad, it was terrible. Macron thought he would be able to speak his mind based on their relationship, but Trump can't handle being criticized like that. We've done that for a long time. Uh, he, he doesn't like being criticized. He likes being told how great he is. Yeah, well, honeymoon's over, I guess. No more back rubbing and shoulder massaging. Uh, you know, he spoke to British Prime Minister Theresa May, uh, and he said that you know the EU was uh, the tariffs in the EU were unjustified and deeply disappointing. Uh, he spoke to Justin Trudeau today, and apparently, when it was brought up, you know, how are these? How is this a national security issue? He mentioned something along the lines of, "Didn't you guys burn down the White House in 1812?" It's insane. Yes, you know, the Canadians that did not even exist as a country in 1812 <laughs> yeah. because it was still a British colony, much like we had recently been. So yeah. apparently that's what he was referring to. But yes, it was not the Canadians, rather the British who burned the White House in retaliation for the Americans attacking uh, Ontario. Can't you just see him talking to Angela Merkel about this? You know, try, maybe she's speaking up for the EU, and he goes, "Did you guys have a Holocaust?" You know, just like crazy things that have nothing to do with what you're talking about. You know, she couldn't she say like, "Didn't you guys have slavery?" You know, it's stuff that happened in the past that has, I mean, while it still affects you know the culture today, has nothing to do with tariffs and why these things are getting uh, getting passed and put into place. Uh, he just, I, they're gonna claim that he was joking, but you know, Trump, I mean, he. Big, big, funny guy, huh? He's always telling jokes. The president was very clear. I think the president's statement speak for itself. Yeah. Th thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. You hear that guy who talks? Uh, I, I love that guy. I can't remember who he works for, but whenever she calls him, he goes, thank you, Sarah. But I, uh, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, former Speaker of the House, Republican John Boehner. Uh, he was speaking at a policy conference hosted by the Detroit Regional Chamber. Uh, he said the GOP that he knew is no more, and in its place is the Trump Party. 
I said, the Republican Party is kind of taking a nap somewhere. And he even joked, I think Donald Trump promised Melania that he would not win. She didn't have to worry about ever living in the White House. It's probably why she doesn't look real happy every day. Well, maybe that's one reason. And, uh, you know, being his, you know, he cries a lot, but I think he's kind of a funny guy, too. Yeah, I've also always maintained that Trump was just as shocked as everybody else uh, the night that he won. He didn't actually want to be president. He wanted to own the Trump News Network or whatever they were going to name it. And then he'd be to the right of Fox News and just have some global empire where all the people who voted for him just tune in every night and see him say the things basically he's tweeting right now. Uh, The difference is uh, you can ignore it when it's just some crazy guy on television. When it's coming from the White House, you kind of have to pay attention to it. Um, but I, I think he's telling the truth. I mean, Republicans, real Republicans. Remember, I was a registered Republican two years ago, uh, although very liberal and voted for many Democrats. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is not this is not the party. They have to take their party back. I mean, I used to have the book uh, by Christy Ty Whitman. It's my party too, uh, which talked about you know moderate Republicans and things that they wanted. Uh, there was a time when Republicans and Democrats looked at each other as a loyal opposition, uh, not as enemies. And you know, things are really bad right now uh, in the country in between the two parties. But I think it's not too late. I don't think we've hit the point of no return yet, other than maybe if Trump gets reelected, that may just be it and, and it's over. Well, and there was also a time when there was diversity within each of the parties. There were liberal Republicans, conservative Democrats. I mean, look at Nelson Rockefeller, the former Mm -hmm. uh, governor of New York and later vice president. He was a liberal Republican and Northeastern Republicans, Connecticut Republicans, more liberal. Uh, But we need more of that moderation back in our parties which would provide for more opportunities for cross-aisle working, right? When when people would actually cross the aisles politically and work with each other and get things done. We don't see that anymore because both parties have retreated to the far corners. The problem is when you're calling the uh, the ranking member of the other party uh, MS-13 loving Nancy, like it's not going to happen. Lion Chuck. Uh, it sounds crazy. We have to tell somebody who's over 70 this, but... Name-calling isn't the answer. That's what children do, not what the President of the United States does. Um, um, Boehner also brought up a few few issues and said his stances on these issues, like marijuana legalization and gay rights, have evolved. He said, you know, people can change their views, take a whole – the whole gay rights issue. I, like tens of millions of Americans, have done a transformational shift in terms of how we view these things. You have a hard time doing this and saying things like this when you're in elected office. But I found myself looking at the situation entirely differently than I did 10 years ago. And that's the key issue I think we should all focus on. It's hard to do well in office. Politicians are so afraid of uh, losing re-election that they'll refrain from doing what is right. I mean, this isn't even a Republican issue solely. Uh, President Obama, who – uh, you know, the left absolutely loves. I know you love him, Kevin. I, I, I've i learned to love him more in recent years. I wasn't a huge fan when he was president, but I guess you know, sometimes you don't know ha- what you have until it's gone. Um, he wasn't publicly in favor of same-sex marriage until after he was elected for the second time. Uh, I, I think we have to find a way to get these politicians to do what's right the first time. Uh, forget whether you're going to be reelected or not. I know it's easier said than done, but these people are elected to represent the people and do what's right for this country, not to line their pockets with more money and, and to keep being in Congress for – 30 years. It's not worth being an elected official if you can't vote your conscience. And and too many of our elected leaders have strayed too far from that, right? As you said, Jess, their their only concern is getting reelected the moment they set foot in whatever position that they hold. And we really need to get them back to doing what's right 
for their constituents, for the American people. Vote the way you know is right, not what you think is politically uh, most viable. Hey, Jeff Flake, it's great that you're standing up to Trump now and being one of his biggest critics as a Republican. Uh, why didn't you do that before you decided not to run? Uh, it's the people who let him get away with this stuff before the election and now that are holding his hand and letting him do it during uh, during his presidency, which are really just perpetuating this cycle uh, of <laughs> hatred and and just plain out bad policy being passed, and uh, it has to be changed. Uh, I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. Um, but that's why we do things like this podcast. It's why we're politically involved at the local level. It's why uh, people at the federal level uh, are trying to get young young people are trying, uh, relatively young people are trying to get into elected office in Congress uh, as, as governor, things like that, to make changes. And it, it's going to happen. It's just going to be slow, and uh, we have to keep fighting and not be. You know, upset if it doesn't happen next year or the year after that, because uh, it's only if we, you know, put our boots down and keep pushing at it that we're going to see some real change in the long term. What do you have for Kevin's corner this week? <laughs> well, Jesse, this day, June sixth, holds an important place in our nation's history for two different but equally important reasons. On this day, seventy-four years ago. Over 150,000 Allied servicemen landed on the beaches of Normandy, France, in what became known as the D-Day invasion, spelling the beginning of the end for Adolf Hitler's ugly grip on Europe. Over 10,000 casualties were suffered, including over 4,400 confirmed deaths on that foggy early June morning, what seems now so long ago. Thousands of young men giving their lives in a foreign land on behalf of this country so that others throughout the world might enjoy the same freedom that we often take for granted today. Not to be overshadowed, 50 years ago on this day, our country lost another warrior for social justice and democracy with the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy. A bright spot in one of our bleakest years, 1968, Bobby Kennedy had come full circle from having been an aide to Joseph McCarthy during the communist witch hunts of the 1950s and to approving wiretaps of Martin Luther King Jr. as attorney general in the early 1960s, to being the last beacon of hope for a nation seeking to end the war in Vietnam and to increasing equality on our own home soil. All told, the soldiers of D-Day and Bobby Kennedy alike gave their lives in an effort to expand the democratic ideals our country was founded on so long ago. We must now ask ourselves, would we make them proud? And Kevin, you told me you were recently just watching a documentary saying that Sirhan Sirhan may not have actually been the person who shot RFK? Well, there has been uh, some news recently, especially from Kennedy's family. Some of his children have asked to see some of the evidence uh, unsealed and to look back at what happened uh, that night, June 5th, 1968, uh, that there may have been uh, some other people involved because of some of the angle of bullets and, and things of that nature. And, and the fact is that in 1968, only five years after Bobby Kennedy's brother JFK was assassinated, people were quick to put to rest con conspiracy theories. So they didn't want that. They kind of closed it quick and tried to put it to bed. And and now, 50 years later, maybe there's a need to look at the situation again. Sirhan himself claims that he was, he was not the one responsible for uh, Bobby's death. So Maybe they'll look into it. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we probably deserve a, a real answer. <laughs> and, of course, I used to work very closely with Senator John Culver, who was best friends with the third Kennedy brother, Ted Kennedy. And uh, I heard many stories about their young days at Harvard playing football. But that's a story for another time. 
So until the next episode, Kevin, uh, thank you for your wonderful Kevin's Corner. It was great as always. Uh, to our listeners, remember to go to our website and you can find all the information you need to know about us, both good, bad, and ugly. Uh, you can see some handsome pictures of Kevin and some you know, okay pictures of me, depending. You know, your mileage may vary, I suppose. And, uh, until next podcast, Kevin, it's been fun. Later. Later.